right, here we are. It's episode four. You already know. Literally, with Ken and Carl. Literally. How you doing? Man, it's, it's another week, man. It's another one, man. Been a crazy week. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can't stop life from happening, man. Uh, unfortunate, you know, but it's, 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 it's something that, you know, we have to deal with. I mean, it's something that every... It doesn't matter every year or every XYZ something happens, but this is an issue that cannot be ignored any longer. Um, I mean, pretty much it's already kind of know where I'm heading into the whole situation with Minneapolis. It's, um, it's something where you just, you know, you have to just kind of say, okay, land of the free home of the brave. And yet, America has not lived by that. I mean, True. it's something that where we have to sit back and say to ourselves, and, and, and this is not only just in particular a race, but everyone to say, how do we view each other? Like, what, what is it about us that makes us not like one another? And, you know, because this is not just about somebody who has a badge on and is supposed to protect people. This is something that is an issue that is dealt with on an everyday basis of how we view each other. It's rooted in people. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I saw the other day, John Boyega had posted on Twitter. I fucking hate racists. It's a pretty simple statement. And I think I, I, it looked like it kind of got out of hand. I was looking at the comments and, uh, you know, it looked like if people were agreeing, but I guess putting their own spin on it, you know, as, as something other than white on black racism, um, he would get upset with them. And it, it bothers me so much just, that people treat each other in, in these ways. Yeah. And, and for me, I don't care if, if you want to call it racism, I think the term reverse racism is kind of, um, silly, um, because I I don't think that really qualifies, but if, if you include an element of power into the term racism, um, I understand why people would feel like it can only be white on black or white on any race because typically over history that's been the power structure right the problem i have with it is then what do you call bigoted ignorant hate when it's black on black because of light skin dark skin right when it's Asian on Asian in the sense that there's this strange hierarchy of, um, Japan, China, you know, Korea, Mm -hmm. Taiwan, Singapore, Philippines. Mm -hmm. And, and it seems to be this, you know, they, they seem to hate each other with this, this, even in China, Hong Kong and China itself with mainland China, you know, what, what do you call that then? Um, it's, it's all terrible to me. It's, it's systemic of how people are, based on ignorance and fear right it's it's like i said it's just an unfortunate you know situation and this is something you know 
that, you know, as far as in me being a black male myself, we deal with on an everyday basis with, you know, just with law enforcement, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I, I can't know, even you know, imagine what that's like. just all of a sudden, just uh, police, you know, pulling you over. We don't know. It's like, okay. Even though something I may have did is wrong, is this going to end up with me possibly being killed or beaten? We don't know. I mean, but the thing about it is when I see someone who is literally lying there as a detained that can't do anything and saying, I can't breathe. I mean, more importantly, I'm not only looking at him as an individual, but at the same time, we're the same color. So I'm looking at like, that's me laying there. That could be me. It just hasn't been my day yet. But at the same time, where do we go to say enough is enough? And it can't be just black people protesting to say that. It's got to be everybody involved to say this has to stop now. I don't know if Erica would be upset with me putting this out there. Um, but we had talked about it when I got home. And, um, I mean, she was crying and, and, you know, I, I don't say this to, to be, well, you know, I'm not racist cause I have black friends. Right. I, I'm not racist because I don't act in a racist fashion. Right. And, and because I try to be empathic and empathic to other people, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I'll ever understand what it's like to grow up as you yeah. never will. Right. But what I can do is try to listen. Mm -hmm. What I can do is try to understand that there will be a different viewpoint and, and there will always be a different understanding of things because of the experiences that you've had. And then I can try to do my best to never make somebody feel that way. Right. It's the best I can do. Right. Right. So Erica had sent me something just a little while ago. Mm-hmm. I tell you, man, it's just tough because we, we do have friends that, that get deeply affected by this kind of stuff. Um, and, and I can't find it now. I don't know where her message is, but it's, I don't know. I mean, everybody wants, you know, justice to be served, but I mean, that's the right now, but I'm just saying, where do we go? I mean, where do we go? I mean, because this can't keep happening because don't get me wrong, you know, uh, Martin Luther King always talked about nonviolence. Nonviolence is the way to move. After so long and we keep getting the same thing, it's going to have to be a sense of, of change. Something's going to happen where it's going to alter the other way. I don't want to see that, but it's also like, okay, we tried to do it this way and it's not doing anything. So we have to come together and say it has to stop now. Uh, I'm a human with what I would consider a, a temper issue. Okay, just something I've always kind of dealt with. Right. Um, I think I do a really good job of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. But never, ever, ever in any of my temper tantrums have I ever been rational. Right. I think it's unfortunate that, that businesses, specifically businesses in the black community and black owned businesses get damaged with stuff like this. Mm -hmm. I, I hate that property gets damaged. I hate 
that it gives fuel to other people to be able to point and say, well, see. But when you're outraged, you're outraged. I, I don't, you know, yeah. when peaceful protests are broken up with tear gas, I don't really understand what else you expect to happen. Yeah. You know, and, and I think in an industry like mine, I'm in a grocery store, mm-hmm. food service. Right. If I see somebody that's doing something that's detrimental to food safety. I got to say something. Exactly. Exactly. If a customer were to see something that was detrimental to food safety and they came to me, mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't hide it from that person and not say anything. Right. I wouldn't hold them accountable for it. I would have to because I have to set an example. There's no, well, they work with me. They're, you know, I got I don't want them to get in trouble. Who does that benefit? It doesn't benefit them. Because they don't learn anything. So why would you ever stand there? Three of them standing there watching this happen and you do nothing. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I I just, I mean, I watched the whole thing and even there's a lady who knows how to help. They told her, you know, get back. And it's like, are you serious? Like. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. I mean, I just. So it was, um, kind of a scary night in Atlanta last night. Yeah. Um, I was actually working last night and one of our stores got decimated. I mean, they broke out the windows, Mm. smashed cash registers, counters, shelving, broke into the pharmacy yeah um yeah and and you know that's that's a business that's just trying to take care of the community it it sucks it really sucks so i just i don't know i uh my my heart goes out to everybody that's that's affected by this and and i don't know who couldn't be outraged at at what's going on currently and you know i i will always say that there are bad people in every profession exactly i I think you know it's there again it's it's a problem with people yeah but it becomes much more unfortunate when certain groups like police have power if you don't have extra measures to keep those type of people out if you don't have certain measures to train your people to handle those situations properly right if you don't hold yourself and your associates to a higher standard in an area like that then we need to tear it down we need to do something different we need to to reevaluate our leaders in that yeah i I think honestly that you know all those police officers should be charged um but more so anything else is the whole thing of them just you're sworn into something you you're sworn in. You 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 made this. You took this oath to protect the to serve people. Serve and protect. But all you do is okay. Third degree murder. You're only going after one. Go after them all because at the end of the day, every last one of them should be punished for this because you all knew what you were doing. You broke the law and you broke your own oath. 
So it should be a double punishment for that. I mean, because now what it looks like, you guys don't look like police. You look like a freaking gang. Mm -hmm. So you're pointing the finger at the people and calling certain people thugs or they look like this or that. But the question is, who's the real thug? Yeah, it's uh, not the way I would want my precinct or my my city's police force to uh, to be represented. That's that's for sure. Right. I mean, but I I definitely don't want to keep a, a a really downer podcast. Yeah, here. yeah. I I I don't either. I was gonna say something wild or or, or something just just to I don't just know like that, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm all for comedy, but I think for that subject, I, I think it's too soon. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, but if something has to be said, I mean, we just, you know, it's just too much going on and not to say anything about it. Yeah. I mean, you have to just kind of yeah. address it, you know, I mean, especially what's going on in Atlanta. And my whole opinion of that is, you know, I understand we all want, you know, justice for this man. But at the same time, us tearing up the city is doing what for us? It's, it's not doing a thing. I mean, it's only making things worse because now, to a certain extent, we look like okay, where we we everybody everybody understands that hey, okay, we're all upset, but where's this going to take us? Right now, we have to take a step back here in order to move forward because of what is done here in the city. Yeah, yeah. So um, this being episode four. Um, Number four. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I decided uh, I would at least mention episode three <laughs> for the train wreck that it was. Um, the The great thing about doing this ourselves is uh, it's a learning process. Yes. And uh, we're definitely learning a whole lot about video editing. Yeah. Audio recording. Yeah. Being prepared for a podcast session. Um so episode three, we, we, I say we, this is, this is I, all I say, me. I take it, I take it as we, cause at the end of the day, you know, it's a us thing in, in general as far yeah. as in mistakes, because at the same time he's learning, <laughs> I'm learning, but at the same time I'm learning off of him because <laughs> he knows a lot about the video editing and everything like that. So I'm learning from him. And when he messes up, it's kind of like, okay, I'm okay. Make sure I don't do that. Okay. Carl fucked up and forgot to hit record. Okay. Remember, always hit record. Don't fuck up like Carl. Those are thoughts to myself. That, that's an excellent way to approach it. Mm-hmm. By the way, we haven't put our headphones on yet. I know, but it's cool. Sometimes it's okay. I mean, you well, know, we'll, hey. We'll try it without. I kind of like, I like hearing the sound of my voice in the headphones. Right. And, and. I have always felt like I was the whitest sounding dude. Like I have a very nasally voice and I'm from Canada and Jesus. I've moved around a lot. Well, no, no, no. So like I've just always felt like I sound like very kind of like, Hey guys, how's it going? No, you don't. Well, but in my head, that's kind of how it's been. Yeah. So never having really recorded my voice a whole lot or anything like that. When we started doing the podcast, I was like, I kind of dig the sound of my voice on her, on the mic. I, I like it. Right. Right. And, uh, had a couple people actually say, you know, you, you kind of had a radio voice. My dad listened to the podcast and, and he said the same. And so, you know, the, the headphones are kind of cool cause I really get a full dose of that, but we'll, we'll go casual for now, you know? 
Okay. I mean, yeah. I like the way you did. So you we'll look like casually. you're enjoying it because, you know, everybody gets to see that tight. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I'm trying to show my, my good side, you know, that, you know, in general, <laughs> but <laughs> rather than the other side, they're like, oh, shit, turn the camera off. Don't even film Ken anymore. Oh, shit. He's, he looks like a meatball with hair on it. Fuck him. You know, that's just that what, is so funny. That's just what, you know, I mean, so in general, I mean, like I said, it's all a learning process. So I'm not mad at it. I enjoy it, you know. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool indeed. Um, so I'm having my usual uh, cigar and a cup of coffee. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of digging the fact that this is my, my cigar mm-hmm. every week is, is my podcast cigar. And right. I know. It's special. So uh, we mentioned on episode three that our friend Q has uh, his own coffee business. Yeah. And Q hooked me up. Oh, so, he hooked you up. Yeah. So I've actually got it on the table here. Um, it's thehazynut.com. Mm. And uh, that's um, the hazy, H-A-Z-I-E, nut, N-U-T, dot com. Okay. And you can order coffee. And Q actually roasts it himself. So I'm talking with Q about it because he actually came and dropped that off yesterday oh wow which was super cool and q i really appreciate it it's amazing like shout out to q so that's what i'm drinking right now um i was telling him that you know i kind of like a milder coffee i drink kona quite a bit okay um because i'll drink a fair amount of coffee and if i drink really really strong coffee it just yeah kind of kills me so apparently q gets um beans from south america and from africa and in what you can order on his website, you can order, you know, like an individual or, or he'll even do blends like this is, which is a blend of the South American and the African coffee beans. Okay. And then he roasts it and the way he roasts it, he can get, you know, different kind of flavor palettes and stuff out of it. And it's way more complicated than, than I would know to understand. Okay. But what he told me was if you if you kind of taste it you'll taste some kind of citrusy kind of flavors in it Mm. it's really brilliant i mean it's fantastic coffee oh wow so definitely hit up his website um i guess that's our our first sponsorship right there yeah man shout out to q one more time man once again you done your thing man you got him smiling over coffee when you got white people smile over coffee, you made it. You made it, man. <laughs> so that brings me to something even more entertaining. Um, I had threatened you several times. God damn it. <laughs> with the fact that we might have to do um, some promos. Oh, man. So <clears throat> I took the liberty of writing us a few. And I got to have your word that you're going to take this and you're just going to read it verbatim like a sponsor would want you to read it because sometimes they will be a little embarrassing, the products that we're, we're advertising. I feel like there's something about me in here. <laughs> it's about you. Oh, Much like the you. one that I did for me is about me and trust me is just as bad. Oh, God. <laughs> so I, I didn't spare. It's not like I'm doing a, a Goodyear tire commercial and, and you're doing an anal plug commercial. It's Oh, wow. You know, oh, yeah. I, I had to be the one to do anal. Thank you. No, you Thank don't you. actually. Thank you. You don't. Actually, in fact, I do. But we'll get to that in a second. Oh, so, okay. Thank you. You know where you're, uh, 
your camera is. Oh, God. Hit us with that promo, son. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm reading the first line. And it is so... Oh, my God. You're going to really make this... You're really going to do this to me. Yep. You're really going to do this to me. Yes, totally. You oh, have to do God. it. Trust me. I'm telling you, mine is just as bad. I do promise you, you. Do you want me to do like like a, like a, like a you know... I want you to read it. Or... I want you to read it however it comes out <laughs> natural. That's that's all you, bro. God. Oh, God. You know what? I should have never said anything about the thing I bought because now I'm, re I'm, I'm just like looking at words in there and I'm seeing them like, you, oh, my God. Oh, God. I will say I'm not a comedy writer, <clears throat> but I think it could have been. Yeah, you kind it's, of like really set me stuff. up for for failure, right? Oh, off, off the first line yeah. is nothing but pure failure. It's pure brilliance. And Enjoy. it is not pure brilliance. Is is this is this is what this asshole does? And I repeat, <laughs> an asshole. Oh, God. Oh man. Come on. <laughs> oh fuck. Come on. You. Alrighty. Uh, do you want the? Hello there. <laughs> like I said, you read it however you need to read it. Okay. This is this is a promo for for an advertiser. A promo. Yep. And they said they want their promo read exactly like this. So. Oh my god. Yeah. Now this is how people be learn from this exactly. Always proofread what you're going to sign, whether it be a contract or anything. Don't let anybody hand you some shit like this guy fucking did. Because in general, you're going to get fucked just like this. If you have an extremely small penis like I do, then you need to stay on top of, our, of your manscaping. Most ladies will run away when I take my pants off. But now that I have the all-new Torch 2000, they just point and laugh instead. Patent technology in... The all-new Pube Torch 2000 uses controlled liquid napalm and small bursts so you can quickly and easily remove unwanted hair. No matter how coarse and full of dry lubricant your particular briar patch may be, the Pube Torch 2000 comes with three settings. House fire, California wildfire, and Australia. So you can control burn your nether <laughs> regions into the desolate wasteland she deserves. The Pink Torch 2000 is only available online at www.torchmynuts.com. That's torchmynuts.com. And enter the promo code Ken Small Penis for a 15% discount off of the world's most. It's like. What a grooming experience of your life. <laughs> www.torchmynuts.com to get the Pew Torch 2000 and give her the big Alaskan. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> you asshole. Oh, God. I'm crying. Uh, I'm crying. Th thank you. Th thank you. Okay. No, no, none of that. It was true. None of that. Do you have yeah. anal leakage like I have anal leakage? Jesus. I mean that sticky, slimy feeling you get 20 minutes after you last wiped? Are you afraid to walk by children or people that are sitting down? 
Well, struggle no more, my anally damaged friends, because Sphinctite is here to save the day. Sphinctite is a revolutionary new 35-step process to tightening your poop chute. Once you start the two-month process, you'll wonder why you hadn't started this years ago. The answer is because they didn't exist then. You'll receive a new anal tightening cream each day in the mail so that you can apply it fresh. And each new bottle is stronger than the last. You'll work your way up to a leak-proof seal in no time at all. Well, technically, it'll take about two months. But don't be impatient. It'll totally be worth it when you can fart without having to change your clothes. Sphinctite is available in back alleys and online at www.sphinctite.com. That's www.sphinctite.com, promo code Carl Leaks for your introductory 10% discount. Sphinctite.com. It's time to trust your farts again. Oh, God. That sounds like a great product, but what if they mistake the fart for a shit? Well, you won't once your sphincter's tight. Oh, God. Oh, shit. There's some woman that they're like, I will get that. I need that. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm writing that for you. And I'm crying writing it because I'm laughing so hard thinking of you reading it. Because you knew I was going to, yeah. And it totally paid off. It was, it was as good. I think, you know, what's going to be so, you know, sad about it is the fact that you're going to, people are going to watch this and go back to that part. I'm cutting that out as an advertisement for the podcast. Like 100%. Thank you. It might, some of those clips might work their way into the, the intro. Because that you. little bah, bah, bah thing that we've got is just, it's a placeholder. Yeah, Let's it, be yeah honest. it's, 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 it's kind of like, okay. I got to come up with something better than that, right? Yeah, I mean, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Carl, for being the asshole that you are. Thank you. I'll take this and <laughs> Frame it. Frame it, or as a matter of fact, just burn it but for some reason now it's too late it's it's it, too late it's going in your job is done b yeah i know i thought you know if you know if we, it could have been better if it just if you have an extremely small penis like i do you know that would that would have been but you know but it's still me reading it so it, it doesn't it matter great. it was perfect yeah yeah it was definitely good oh, <laughs> You asshole. <laughs> it's cool though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see you got a Spider Man on the table now, man. Mm-hmm. Apparently a light goes in that, but it's like, mm. I don't know, like a Christmas bulb or something goes in it. I don't mm. know. I haven't investigated. I just thought he looked cool. It does. It does. I, I, you should get a Venom. I mean, if you're going to get that, you might as well get that, you know. Oh, I, I I think it's handmade. It looks like it was like from a craft sale or something. I, I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, I, I highly doubt that's got a Marvel stamp on it anywhere or I mean, Sony. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But hey, it's still hot. Yep. Yep. He's an alarm clock. I the. Uh, can't even knock that. That's right. Can't knock that, man. That's right. Oh, man. Dude, you are crazy. Mm-hmm. That one's going to sit with you for a while. It is. It really is. I'm taking that in, and then I know when I watch this again, I'm just going to sit in there and go, damn you, Carl. Yep. Appreciate yep. that, man. Oh, 
power. Looks like the country's getting back to, you know, the usual, you know, I mean, sports. They're talking about the NBA is going to, you know, possibly being played at Disney now. And I'm like, what is that going to benefit? It sounds like to me that's a money scheme, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to jack the prices up to try to make up for lost time. Wait, while, well, I, I mean, are they actually going to have an audience? I don't know. It's a question. I don't know. I mean, maybe we, they'll have it at Disney because Florida's like wild west they're not they i mean, don't care they're doing whatever i mean who only people going to be there is like what mickey and minnie and goofy it's in the sit up there and then oh, 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 there go go lebron oh, oh, oh. you know <laughs> you know the, what else is gonna who else is gonna be there who else is gonna be there i mean no one else is gonna be there to watch them play i mean honestly i think right now pretty much nba and eh, everybody's waiting for football i think so there are some states that are already doing stand-up comedy shows. Yeah, yeah. It's got to get back to it. I mean, in, in general. I mean, now I think which is better is the fact of that the way comedy clubs are now, there's, they're, they're smaller crowds. You get that intimate setting, you know, just that whole feel. And pretty much you can't really, like, limit the small amount of people that's already there, you know? I mean, what are you going to have, like, one person per table? Yeah, it's like true. 10 people? Like, so, no, you, you kind of keep that amount, I say. Because in general, I just think that we got to get back to doing what we do regardless. I mean, there's no advance buts about it. You had a uh, you had a uh, virus to come along and alter things. But still, we can't go on living life a certain way. You know, I mean, certain things have changed from this. But there's certain things that's like, yo, we still got to get back to what we're doing because people make their money through entertainment. Um, some people do this. And then some people, that's their outlet is like, hey, let me go watch a show or let me go and sit out here and, and hear some music or something, you know, that gets them through their day, you know? Yeah. So we got to get back to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so... You know, I've uh, I've mentioned the documentary on on Netflix a couple times, um, the evolution of hip hop, right? Which is really really well done. Like I really dig it. Have you watched any of it yet? I have not yet. I I have not yet. If it had been a special on John Denver, you would have been all over it. Jesus Christ! Really, really, John Denver? Oh my God! Honestly, he was the whitest guy I could think of. <laughs> you did. I mean, you really did. Now, I mean, the funniest thing is that you speak of, like, you know, hip-hop. Um, there's actually somebody that I used to work with at Waste Management. This is years ago. Um, he goes up the other day, and he's posting these pictures. Him, Slick Rick. Him, uh, Fred Perry. Him, and all these people. And he goes, he posts a thing of Ned Professor, yeah, this is when I helped, blah, 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 blah. And he shows this one of him and Montel Jordan in a song. And he actually has the album cover and he actually puts the picture up of his name. He co-produced some of the music. I was like, dude, I don't hit him like, dude, I never knew that. He said, you never knew because I never told it until now. Right. And he's putting up all these old pictures of him in the studio. I was just like, dude you've done some shit 
like you have a story within hip hop and don't even you know mm-hmm. so I was like man and when you said that it was like there's a lot of stories that have just not been told we hear the artists and some of the producers but we don't get everybody else who has their own story within the people they've been around and seen and what they've done you know right well one of the things that I really liked about the documentary um, the, the documentary is done by an MC all right. So, I mean, he, he understands the world, but what he does is he starts you out at the very beginning, mm-hmm. like the very beginning, like the, the parties where they were taking pop records mm. and, and I mean, you're talking like Elton John and like just regular yeah. radio pop stuff mm-hmm. and they would take that break and they would loop it. And that's that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So that's the very essence of the breakbeats, right? Right. And then what they did is there was, I guess, in jazz, there was a style of kind of speak rhyming mm-hmm. that Louis Armstrong and several others were doing. Yeah. And a couple of, I guess, dudes took the microphone at some of these breakbeat parties mm-hmm. and would start kind of flowing on it you now have the the beginnings of of rap and hip hop right and then what he does is he kind of takes you up through new york and the different boroughs and and how you know certain things change Mm -hmm. up to a certain point but then he stops and and these are all episodes so i think there's like four or five seasons of it now but then he stops and he says but on the west coast something completely different was happening Mm mm-hmm and then he goes into the West Coast and he starts talking about how they were also doing that, but the breakbeats were, were coming out of disco. Yeah. And and so you had disco and funk as as your kind of backbone mm-hmm. to where they were coming from, whereas, you know, in, in New York it was that kind of top forty or, or pop yeah. sound, right? Yeah. And and so it kind of it's like having the same seeds. Mm-hmm but planting them in completely different soil. Right. Right. Um, you know, and, and they just kind of grow different. Right. So Mm -hmm. like it's, it's really cool to kind of see. And then he goes into there again, different areas like then, you know, the South and, Mm -hmm. you know, Houston and, you know, Chicago. And he starts talking about different areas and how those things came up in Virginia, how Virginia had a very unique sound. And yeah, you know, New Orleans and, and Master P. And yeah. So, um, really cool series though. And, and it was funny cause a lot of this stuff happened in kind of time frames mm-hmm. where, you know, where the fabulous five and, and that kind of thing was happening. There was this explosion, right. Mm-hmm. And then you would get a little bit of stagnancy and then you would have another explosion of, you know, a different kind of sound, whether yeah. that was like, um, De La Soul and, oh, and kind of, you know, odd bands like that, yeah. Far Side and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or you would get, you know, gangster rap mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things and all these different kind of explosions. And when I was, when I left Toronto, I was 17 and it was 91 mm-hmm. and I moved to the Bay area in California and that whole West Coast scene was just like 
exploding digital underground right um you know uh, at, at that time shock g was was trying to come up with a unique sound and apparently had on several occasions um come up with the sound that he wanted got it recorded would get ready to start getting it to radio stations and a song would play that had a similar flow or a feel to it mm -hmm. and he wasn't he wasn't going to put something out that was like anything else he wanted to be completely original right and that's where Humpty Hump and, and that sound came out of it. And then obviously later on Tupac. Yeah. So I'm in the Bay Area just for a couple of couple of years before I moved out here to Georgia. And all of that stuff is just kind of just yeah. blowing up, right? And then I move here and it's ninety three and TLC mm -hmm. and like you've got Outcast coming yeah. out. And then Goody Mob, yeah, and like all this stuff from the South blowing up, and mm -hmm. it was like, you know, I was on the East Coast. Toronto's very close to New York, mm -hmm. and I was getting all of that as it was kind of exploding, and like Nas and and Guru and yeah. Tribe Called Quest, and, yeah, you know Wu Tang, and there were so many good East Coast Wu Tang. That's right. And then I get to move out to California and like E40 and the click too short MCA. Like, I mean, there's all this crazy stuff coming mm -hmm. out of there. Right. And then I moved to Atlanta mm -hmm. and you know, it was just like, it was the weirdest thing for me as this, this huge fan of, of hip hop that I got to kind of be in these locations as all this stuff was coming out. So as I'm watching the documentary, it was just totally this weird, like, holy shit, like, yeah. it kind of followed my progression of, of that, you know, 17 to 22, 23 year old. Yeah. One thing about music like that and in the way it, it kind of happened for you of hearing different sounds is like you got different errors, but those are different years and time of your life that's always going to be memorable because it's like. Once again, music is kind of like a soundtrack to people's lives. We already know I was into breakdancing. Oh, shit. <laughs> See, I was just going to talk seriously and now it's like, oh, shit. Man, breakdancing, I can just imagine you just like trying to do like the spin on the ground and then you try to pose in the end. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, yeah. But I didn't say I was good at breakdancing. I mean, hey, I mean, Vin Diesel did it. Was he that great? No. Well, well no. I mean, the only thing about it is I was like, oh, shit, he has hair. That shit was so funny, though. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, <laughs> but music in general, I mean, one thing I love about hip hop is, is that we all can hear the same song. And there's something in that song in particular that each of us, each individual will hear that will, I heard this. And then they can go make a beat and it won't sound like that. It won't sound like that. What other, you know, the other person. And that's when, that's the beauty of hip hop. I mean, in, in those, that era from the, I'll say the nineties from nineties and back, even to the, the beginning of the two thousands was that you had artists who literally wanted to perfect their sound, their music, their, their writing. They did not want to sound like anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now in this era, now you have pretty much like 
I'll say wave riders where somebody will do something and then you'll hear it again from somebody else doing the same thing or, or the same type of rhythm of flow. And it's like, where's your creativity? Where, 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 where did you, where did you sit down and find the time to be who you are rather than to sit there and just go, I'm going to do what he did, you know? Um, I think it, it becomes kind of a slippery slope when you, when you start to try to draw a line there, especially when you talk about the beginning elements of hip hop itself mm -hmm. being a cut of somebody else's track. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I remember all the controversy that people that didn't like rap at the time mm -hmm. would constantly, yeah, but it's not even their music and oh, they don't write anything. And right. it doesn't mean it's not creative. Right. And, and I always try to temper it with like, just because I don't like something doesn't mean it sucks, but it's really difficult sometimes. Cause you listen to something and you go, Holy shit, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But it just sucks to me. Right. 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 So it doesn't mean that it doesn't intrinsically have value to somebody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I, I've said numerous times that I really don't like the direction that hip hop has gone into. And I really feel like a lot of the mumble rap and stuff like that should be classified differently because it, I agree in some ways it spits in the face of, of, what the true artistry of hip hop is. Mm -hmm. And, and I think in some ways I look at hip hop, like I do comedy in the sense that there are so many layers mm -hmm. to what happens in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you look at people that have done it incredibly well, and there are tons of them, um, it's, it's these, these ways that they play with words. Yeah. And, and as incredible as some of the wordsmiths are, and you look at Biggie, you look at Eminem, you look at Tupac, you look at, there's a ton. I can, I mean, yeah, yeah, it goes down. You know, the list goes on. <clears throat> you can look at, at like really kind of brainy, brainy guys like Nas and, and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, just see the way that, that they structure. And when you really break down like multi sentence rhymes mm -hmm. and, and these different, kind of odd syllable takes and, and things that, that these guys do, it's remarkable. And, and then you take the other element of the producing of the, the actual music, the, yeah. the beats and, and what someone's doing with somebody else's stuff, it doesn't matter because if you think about rock and roll, well, it was ripped from blues mm -hmm. and jazz, right? right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there, there are all of these, you know, everything kind of stems out of classical music. Exactly. You know, and, exactly. and you still in jazz get a lot of things that, that, you know, equate to classical music and what's ripping off. What isn't? Yeah. One of my favorite beats ever. And one of my favorite songs ever by Eric B and Rakim mm. is don't sweat the technique. Yes. Because that, <sighs> You look at it from the production scale, the music, that's jazz. It's yeah, it's brilliant. And then when you hear the when you hear the hip hop come in with it, you're like, this is this is this is this is real art. This is taking this art right here and this and putting it together making this new sound. And then now 
I could imagine just being in a studio and just all of a sudden hearing just Rakim go and then hear the song and then go, what is the beat saying to me? Mm-hmm. And then his delivery was so unique because people don't understand there's a difference between somebody who's who's kind of going with the rhythm of flow to the beat and then someone who's just riding the beat. Yep. Rock, rock him wrote the beat like okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna vibe out to the beat oh yeah and i mean the whole the whole music on that is just unbelievable so every time i kind of in in hip-hop specifically kind of feel like i've hit a point where i just can't I, I can't listen to any of the new shit right someone will pop out a couple years ago um kendrick lamar Oh, man. You know, when I when I first heard DNA, mm-hmm. holy fuck, dude, the what he does with his flow mm-hmm. just in that one song. Yeah, is it's, it's unreal. But when he gets to the breakdown part, though, it's fucking sick. Kendrick it has Lamar, such a fucking cadence to it. But, but Kendrick Lamar, when I when I first listened to him, I was like, you remind me. He reminds me of. DJ Quick mm-hmm. in a sort, mm-hmm. in a sense, and he's one that. of those guys who, like, when you listen to Kendrick Lamar, you have to understand he's one of the guys who grew up listening to hip hop, mm-hmm. and he really found who he is, in a sense. Right. So he's like, okay, I'm, I want to be great, but let me find my greatness. And once he found it, and he learned. You can tell he has real bars. He has real lyrics. His delivery is him. There's there's nothing to where it's, oh, he sounds like this guy. He sounds like this guy. Right. He's, but he's put his own stamp on if it. You, if you're real, like I said, if you're a real hip-hop guy who has listened to the evolution of hip-hop, which, like he said, was on Netflix. Hey. So you've listened to it, and you go, he reminds me of this person. You know, you'll catch a little bit of somebody that, okay, I can tell you listen to this person. You know, just like even when I listen to Outkast and I listen to Big Boy, Big Boy was a person who grew up listening to Far Side, if you listen to his flow. Yep. But those guys are the guys who, even like Kendrick Lamar, who really counted, who really sat there and said, I'm going to listen to music. I'm going to study hip hop. I'm going to study my craft. I definitely think the specials worth seeing, though. You should definitely check them out. Yeah, yeah, I I need to. I just haven't lately. I mean, but like I said, hip hop is is hip hop is something that's always been a part of me. You know, like I said, I have cousins that's your age. Like when I was at my grandma's house in the summer, because my parents would both have to work, I get dropped off my grandma's house, and all my cousins would be there. And this is how I came into like hip hop of Rock Kim and everybody else i was just like man you know just watching it just didn't know at that time that this was some going to be some of the timeless music in hip-hop you know didn't know it was just music me i'm just like okay okay this is this, this sounds good okay but didn't know like wow even though that music was made in the 80s and in the 90s it's 2020 and some of this music still bumps better than the music that's being made right now. I mean, part of that might be nostalgia. Um, 
I, I think the fundamental <clears throat> difference with um, time periods, especially with music, but you can also say with a lot of different things like stand up and, and stuff like that, um, technology is is a huge factor. So, yes. you know, I, I'm I'm actually wearing my band shirt today, the the first T-shirt that we ever had printed. And uh, so, you know, I, I've I've been a local band open for some some nationals right about the extent of it and uh we played for i guess about 13 maybe 14 years on the scene here in atlanta cool and even even doing it when we did there were still a lot of tools available that we could have utilized to be much bigger mm -hmm. the market is so saturated now though Whereas back in the day, you really had to have talent to get a record label. You really had to have something. And, and you would find that image wasn't as important yeah. as talent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there, are, there are plenty of people that were not attractive by any standard mm -hmm. today or, or then that made tons of money in music yeah and and i i mean i can go with the easies the mick jaggers the blah 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 but i God. mean you think about like billy joel was no model you know yeah. phil collins was balding yeah um you know bob Reese. dylan aretha franklin yeah. you know wasn't what i would consider you know beautiful right 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 but man her voice man that, that raspiness she has and oh. how she how she would drop it and go high and she knew what she was doing, man, but that does make sense because now there has to be more than the talent that you bring. You have to have a look that sells. You don't really have to bring much talent nowadays. But but if you look a certain way, they can sell you. Be because it's so easy to market, because it's it's so easy to get content out. Mm. And and I say this as we're doing a podcast. Right. You know, but you don't really have to have any talent you know there are plenty of people that cash me outside girl oh man from the how's it working for you dr phil show right <laughs> yeah but but you know she does like stadiums yeah it's it's unbelievable i mean and the thing about it is it's like it's kind of like right now where there's certain there's people with talent that's kind of being ignored and there's people who without talent that's getting everything and it's like what are they doing in particular that that over here that this person doesn't have? Is it a look or is it something that you can sell or is it because they're blind to the fact that you're selling them this way and they don't understand it? I mean, it's so many ways to look at it. I, I don't know. You know, I just remember <clears throat> music for me growing up was like an exploration. You know what I mean? Like right. it, it wasn't it wasn't background noise. It was something that like you, you did, you discovered, you discovered bands and like, mm -hmm. you know, I was born in the seventies, you know, I really would say probably early eighties is when I became musically conscious. Right. Right. And started listening to stuff mm -hmm. and, and you can argue it wasn't a great era for music, but it did have some incredible 
gems, right? right? And and some stuff that is timeless. But you know, when you're young and you start listening to music, you know, I would listen to a lot of stuff my parents listened to. Yeah, this is me. And and that starts to kind of, but then you start to venture out on your own, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it was earth wind and fire and and quincy jones and the pointer sisters and elvis which were a combination of my parents favorite music so to speak um but then it would break into you know michael jackson off the wall Mm -hmm. and but it would also be ario speedwagon and it would be you know like genesis and and Um, so like you would go through these different things and and you're nothing specific at this point you're not trying to find an identity at at 10 or 11 years old right you're just finding stuff that interests you i was as into weird al yankovic back then oh my god you know because (laughs) you know he was on the radio and you could hear his songs and and my bologna was hysterical so i loved amish paradise i loved it yeah um a little coolio um (laughs) but you know it's just one of those things where like i remember where i was when i first heard of the beastie boys Mm. So I was in seventh grade, I want to say, eighth grade. This kid, Jeremy Ralph, um, buddy of mine, uh, who, when I was getting into skateboarding, mm-hmm. he was really into skateboarding and, and, um, we had English class at some points during English class, we could go to the library okay, and study. And so he tells me we need to go to the library. We go down to the library. And at that point you could check out records or tapes and they had players there. Mm-hmm. And then the multi box for the headphones. So like four people could sit and listen to a record. And so he brings in this tape of License to Ill. And he goes, you, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. And we put the headphones on and we sat there and we listened to the whole thing. I don't think I said a word through the whole record. Right. And I knew instantly I loved it. I didn't know why. You know what I mean? Like, I I just knew that this was the coolest shit I had ever fucking heard. Mm -hmm. You know, girls, Brass Monkey. Of course, Brass Monkey. Paul Revere. Oh, man. You know, all of it. And and so, you know, those moments for me are part of the joy of, of music. And I don't know that you get that as much anymore. At least I don't. Maybe that's just because I'm older. And I've kind of filled my bank of bands that I really like. And, and after <laughs> that, like, you got to be really, really exceptional to get in. I, I don't know. Yeah. But it just seems like one of those things where I don't I don't get the same joy exploring or finding. Like I said, a couple of years ago, I've, I found that Kendrick Lamar. Fucking brilliant, dude. I, I, I love it. Yeah. But that rarely happens for me anymore. Yeah. I kind of like grew up on... Um... Like, I think I fell in love with James Brown first because my parents just told me as a little oh, kid, God I would always imitate him. And my dad would like wake me up sometimes and be having like parties over the house. It's like four, three or four o'clock in the morning. You know, he was six three, right? Shit. 
<laughs> that's that's a Tom Segura yeah. reference right there. Sorry, oh. that video was fucking awesome. It was. It was. Mm. Oh, he was looking at my shrine, James Brown. Oh my god, he just put everything up to James Brown. He didn't. He didn't care. But uh, I grew up to that. My my dad would wake me up like three or four o'clock in the morning. I'm little now. I'm mm-hmm. literally like I got a freaking Superman type pajama suit on with a cape in the back oh yeah so my dad would wake me up boy get up do the james brown in front of everybody i'm I'm sitting there like boy do what your daddy tell you to do and i'm I'm doing a little feet thing or like that and (laughs) people are laughing and then after i'm done boy take your ass to bed i don't know what the hell you're doing up this time out i'm like you just woke me up get your ass back to bed i'm like okay but do you realize that's child abuse right In some form. Just, just putting that out there. Sorry, Ken's dad. Defects? I'm not playing. <laughs> but um, in, in general, like, I was a, a James Brown person, and then my mom was the one who got me into, like, Johnny Taylor and all these other blues people. And, and then my dad sits down one day and says, you need to hear this shit. Plays Jimi Hendrix Machine Gun. I was just like... He's like, this is the part, you know, that and it's just like, what the hell am I listening to? But it sounds great. And then he's the one who puts me on a prince. You know, and and I don't want to cut your story. I'll, I'll let you get back to it. But when you mentioned him, whenever I think of Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. I think of people like Prince, mm-hmm. people like Dave Chappelle, people you know, anybody that's had time to start out great in something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, start out great, but then also have the advantage of years of experience to perfect it and really figure out. Ex- I mean, could you imagine Jimi Hendrix with 20 more years holding a guitar? Dude. Could dude. you imagine the fucking shit that dude would have come up with? Dude. It would have been ridiculous. Jimmy was, as they say, ahead of his time but right on time oh yeah um just yeah, I think, in, yeah like even queen like it, yeah, what, oh, what, man. what would queen be writing today if oh, they were man. still doing it i i, I won't even say queen just freddie mercury what would he be doing like because his ear that he had for music oh, the way he would, the way he saw music but that whole band and brian yeah. may just passed away oh, uh damn. yeah like a week or two ago damn um, but that whole band was incredibly musical. They all wrote. Yeah. They all played multi-instruments. They all, they all sang. They all played sang part brilliantly well. And creating the songs, you know, as far as when we would rock you. Um, that was, I think that was the bass player. I think mm-hmm. so. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Or the um, the other guitarist. I think it, it was him. The other one, uh, the bass player one did another one, Bite the Dust. Right. Um, but in general, but Bohemian Rhapsody, that was all Freddie Mercury just sitting there just like, I'm trying to get this classical music. I'm trying to make something out of it. And he, and he made it work but um even that in music like i just kind of like was listening to all types of music from there but yeah and you mentioned prince i didn't mean to cut you oh, off yeah prince um you know rick james he put me on a lot of that that's right <laughs> i'm rick james bitch cold-blooded <laughs> with the five fingers say to the face charlie murphy slap <laughs> cold-blooded <laughs> but um I listen to, you know, once again, listen to all these 
other you know music funk all that and eventually one day i think it was bill and ted's i think bogus or is it excellent adventure one of them first one was excellent second one was bogus okay i think the second one was bogus because i believe that was the one with uh um god gave us rock and roll and i was just like Dude, let me go back and just listen to other music. Let me, because there's something always there. And then I start venturing off, listening to other music, other music, just different realms of music. And I'm just like, I love music. Mm-hmm. And 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 at the same time, I went back to like, okay, let me hear and and, and watch these interviews with these artists to just understand where did this concept come from? What made you write this or what was you thinking in that moment? Because to them, they were just in a moment. Mm-hmm. To us, it's like, wow, that's some of the greatest stuff I've ever heard. But sometimes with them, they were just in a moment. They just had a bad breakup. They just were suicidal. You know, when you hear Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, the uh, I think Under the Bridge, I believe, mm-hmm. when you hear that, you're like, suicidal, you know? I mean... To a certain extent, even um, how how can you understand what Anthony Kiedis is saying? <laughs> I don't think he's speaking English. Yeah, you think he's going? Yeah, there's a lot of hobbity bobbities going on in there. I'm just saying, I don't. I mean, you tell he kind of you know he was in the special ed wing. Okay, come on, Anthony. Although Will Ferrell on drums, right? Will Ferrell on drums, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, you can't you you can't beat that. You can't beat that. Identical. They Chad do. Smith and they do. Oh yeah, fucking crazy. <laughs> they do. He he just like I just shot myself. <laughs> but I um I mean I listen to a little bit of everything, man. I mean, even um Guns N' Roses, you know, that mm-hmm. knocking on heaven's door. Mm-hmm. Even that song was suicidal in itself, you know. <laughs> knock, knock, knocking oh, on heaven's door. Wow. The, you could tell he was on something. I was just like, it's a good song, but he was, he, he, he must have just did a line beforehand. It's like, he just went from, hey guys, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> like, you know, I, you know, it's, it's unfortunate what fame too quickly can do to some people. Yeah. Because that band, I, I really liked Guns N' Roses. I thought the Use Your Illusions double album was great and all that. Yeah. Appetite for Destruction was great. But <laughs> but they just kind of went off the rails really quick. And but, uh, but, you know, I mean, once again, I mean, if you don't have some type of structure, some somebody in the group has to say, hey, we got to keep our shit together, you know? Uh, and, and, and that's another reason. Or at the same time, you let the record label destroy the group, you know, because... They'll come along and go, okay, they're a good band, but he's the one we really want. He he's the one that books. He he's the one that put the fans in the seat. Let's get him to do go solo. Then we can you know X Y Z. You, you know, know they do that. I I will say this: there's there are so many things that have to go right to make it, like to to really make it. Right. You know, I think nowadays anybody can get fame. Mm-hmm. But to get to a level where you're revered, not only by fans, but by your colleagues and, and all those kind of things and have longevity in a business, there are so many things that have to go right. Like winning a championship in a sport, any sport, 
it's not just about that game. It's about all the games that went before it, every practice that went before it, all the lessons that were learned, all of the teammates coming in line and having that season where everybody's productive and everybody puts in. And, you know, there's so much that has to go into it. And people don't understand that some of the greatest bands that have ever been have never been really heard because something didn't line up. I, You know, I can tell you there were bands that, that we played with Mm -hmm. on the local scene that may have lasted for three or four years. Right. But holy shit, some of the fucking music that they were writing and playing and performing and the stage shows fucking great. Right. But if not everybody's aligned, then, you know, I know a band and, and they're really good friends of mine. The, the first bass player, Mm-hmm. That was in my band, the Bone Church, Jack Savage, um, who's super awesome dude. And and after he had left us, he had got with this other band, Caustic Thought and Ken. And um, you know they were really great dudes. They had a, a lead singer, and they had gotten to a point where they were going to get a record deal. Oh wow! And the lead singer was, I guess, just having a kid kind of unexpectedly Mm -hmm. and couldn't make the commitment couldn't do it yeah and and everything goes out the window just all that hard work all that promotion all that working on stage all that so there are so many things that can happen that can completely take all of that away from you yeah that you know sometimes it's it's just as simple as the money you know, yeah. no one talks about the money in the beginning and then all of a sudden money starts coming in and no one's had that discussion before and then feelings start getting hurt. Well, I do this and I, I, I add this to the band. I should be paid more. And Right, right. I, I, I think that's that is a factor. But even that, like you said, it's more so of just the self-issues. But I think that, you know, when you come along and you say, hey, we're going to do this together, but at the same time, if everybody as an individual doesn't kind of kind of devote themselves to say, hey, I don't need to do this right now because I'm trying to focus on this mm-hmm. as a group, you know, you, you, you kind of have to look out for each other, you know, because once again, nowadays, now people don't, people don't understand. You might see someone on stage and they're just by themselves. It takes a team for someone to be as big as they are. Absolutely. I mean, you need that support team. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a band or an individual. If you don't have people around you keeping you in check, you're gonna fail. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have that. You know. What does that say for us? It's it's just us. Uh-oh. Who's gonna keep us in check? Your dog. Who's been oddly quiet? Yeah, I mean, it's it's shocking. Did you want to tell everybody that you made friends with my dog? <sighs> yes, he, he loves you now. Yes, the dog finally comes in and just comes by me, and all of a sudden, just sits there and I'm like, okay. And I go reach out to pet him. Like, and one hand is like going out, the other hand is on my dick. Like, oh god, please, please don't. You're trying to keep me. from peeing yourself, right? Yeah, no, I was trying to keep my shit from getting bit. <laughs> so. <laughs> So all of a sudden, and he just lets, he lets me pet him, and then I was just like, "Oh shit!" And he then he sits down. I'm like, "Okay, shit, okay, cool, we cool." And then the rest of the night, he's trying to get back in the whole time. Yep. Yeah, that's cool shit. Yep. 
and now he doesn't just sit out in the hallway and bark yeah. at the sound of your voice. Yeah. Like, bitch. I'm telling bitch. you. Like, it's a I'm waiting for you, bitch. It was a human. I'm outside, bitch. It was a human knock at the door. Like, one time, I was like, Bloo. I was like, it was like, Erica. He's like, no, that's the dog. I was like, shit. <laughs> that one, we're going to get in. Now, I did tell you he knows how to work door handles, right? Like, door knobs. Are you serious? Yeah. So, when we first got him, <clears throat> he was eight months old and had been pretty much unsocialized. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think he spent most of his time in a crate with one of his siblings and a fainting goat. Oh, wow. And so we really kind of had to teach him, you know, how to, how to behave with people. Mm-hmm. Right. So we started crate training him and the crate that we had was the crate that we had for my, my black lab. Okay. Well, she was maybe 65 pounds fully grown he was 80 pounds when we got him at eight months old good god so we put him in the crate the first day went to work came home crate was destroyed now this is a metal wire crate okay he's outside of it in the bedroom just so i take about 35 zip ties zip tie the hell out of this thing, get it all back together, rebend pieces that he's completely deformed, get it all put back together. Second time we put him in, not only do we find him out of the crate, mm-hmm. but he's now out of the bedroom too. And the door opens in and it's a door handle like a knob. Mm-hmm. So what he ended up doing was getting his mouth around it and turning. turning it and pulling it in to get out of my bedroom. So for a little while, we started calling him Blue, like the raptor from yeah. from Lost World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had to start going, <laughs> get him to behave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's smart. He's really smart. So we started off the leash training with him. And uh, we'll, we'll go out in the backyard, take him off the leash. And the first time he was just like, um, you're, you're missing something. Yeah. So he just stayed really close to Erica. And so she would start walking and he just stuck right by her side. Because mm-hmm. this is really new. He's never been untethered outside. Right. right. So she would walk with him a little bit and then he'd start to kind of wander a little bit. And she'd go, ah, 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 slow. And he'd slow up, mm-hmm. just like if we were walking with a leash. Right. All the same commands work. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's doing great. Now we can sit, throw throw sticks, and he'll run, grab them, bring them back. So he's doing really good. He's, he's a smart kid. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't want to eat you anymore, and that's that's a wonderful thing. Thank God. Yeah. I'm telling you. Cause yeah. At one time, he stuck his head through the window like freaking Cujo. I was like, shit. I just didn't want to have to explain it to anybody back at work. <laughs> oh, what happened to Ken? I heard he went out to your place. Now no one's seen him for three weeks. And I'd be like, I, I'm i Ron Burgundy? <laughs> that's how you do it. Just, I'm Ron Burgundy? And that's how we should end this podcast. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Man, I'm having a lot of fun with these, though. Oh, I know. I can tell. Yeah. Hey, man. That's how we do, man. That's how we do. <laughs> All right. Until next time, everybody. Peace. Peace. Peace.